Welcome to Royal Grace Chapel, the empowerment center where faith comes alive through inspiring messages and teachings. At Royal Grace Chapel, our mission is to empower you to connect with God in worship, relationship with other believers, and enable you to fulfill your purpose for global impact. We believe in the power of transformation through the Word of God, and that's exactly what you'll experience as you journey with us through our plethora of messages. Get ready to be equipped, uplifted, and empowered on your path of faith. Be transformed as you listen to today's empowering message. The journey to prosperity. The journey to prosperity. I've been teaching this subject in diverse ways from the Word of God. And I trust that tonight you will have greater insights. Because you see, when you hear something the first time, what you have just gained is information. It takes you to hear it to the point where you catch the spirit of the message. How do you know where you, can, you have caught the spirit of the message? You can reproduce the results in your life. It's no longer head knowledge. Now you can reproduce it. Somebody said, oh, I have read a book on prosperity. If you have truly read a book on prosperity, you should not be poor. You should not be poor. But if you read it or if you listen to the message and nothing has changed, it means you only acquired information, but you have not gotten it into your spirit. So tonight I pray that the word of God will find its way into your spirit in the name of Jesus. Now, Psalm 35 verse 27. Psalm 35 verse 27. I welcome those of you who are joining online. And I also want to also make effort to share the link as we invite our friends to join us wherever they are. So Psalm 35 verse 27 says, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which adds pleasure, delights in the prosperity of his servant. So let the Lord be magnified, who delights, who adds pleasure, in the prosperity of a servant. God does not delight in the poverty of any man. Poverty does not bring glory to God. Poverty does not glorify God and will never glorify him. He does not delight in a man being broke. But the Bible says that he delights in the prosperity of his servant. Say with me, he delights in my prosperity. Third John says, I wish above all things... That thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as I so prospered. God has never wished for any one of his children to be poor, above all. No. Poverty is a curse. It's demonic. Because every curse has a demon that has to go into making it work out. Because poverty is a curse, it means there is a demon that has been assigned to bring it to pass in people's lives. Say with me, I will never be poor in my life. Never celebrate poverty. One of the things I've seen even recently when talking to people is the way they talk poor. That means all that needs to happen is for the system to change and your, even your confession on your talking change. I was talking to somebody the other day and the person said, Ah, Pastor, you know, you get as things be now. Uh, town, no, they smile at all. Ah, Pastor, you know, things are so hard now. And I said, Well, you will never hear such a confession, a word from my mouth. No. No economy in Nigeria can make me talk poor. Because I know who I am. 
You cannot talk poor and say you are a child of Abraham or Abraham's blessing will be yours. No, your word shows who your father is. Because the Bible says that the power of life and death are in the tongue. Now, you, you have 20 naira and you are talking poor because you have 20 naira. It, talking poor will only reduce your 20 naira to even become 10 naira. Keep talking like that, you have 10, 5 naira. Keep talking like that, then you have 0 naira. So, talking poor does not make you rich. It only makes you poorer. Talking poor, it, no, regardless of your financial challenges, never talk poverty. Regardless of how hard you may be facing cha financial challenges, never talk poverty because it will only make things worse for you. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And they that love it shall eat of the fruit thereof. Now listen to me. It's like a man who is saying, I am I'm having a headache. Now he's having a headache. Then he's now allowing somebody to punch his head more. Now will the headache go like that? But if he says, truly you are having a headache, what do you think you need to do? Is it not to go and rest? At least go and rest. Sleep small, take shower, or something like that. That is how it is when somebody says, I'm going through financial difficulty. I'm going through financial challenges. Now, because of the financial challenges you are going through, you are now even using your mouth to kill the remaining small one that is left. The remaining small money that is left or the remaining thing that is left that you are supposed to even live on, you are using your mouth to kill it. That is what negative confession does when you are talking poor. Very important. Is somebody with me? <laughs> Never talk poverty. I said never talk poverty. Never talk poor. It will only make things worse. Worse. You woke up this morning, all you have left them is one dollar. One dollar now is just about uh, 900 naira. And you have three kids. And I say, no, hard. things are so hard. Things are so hard. You, so let me tell you something. What is going to happen is that the, already the value of your $1 by your confession will start going down. But when you say, yeah, thank you, Lord, for this $1, I know that I am not where I want to be, but I know that things will get better. I bless this. If I thought you have nothing to say, just keep quiet. But I would rather prefer you keeping quiet than talking poor because it will only make things worse. It's not by confessing negative that will make it better at at least you have something to make it better, which is the word of your mouth. Confess life and you shall reap the harvest of life. Confess death and you shall also reap the harvest of death. The power and the choice is yours. I just need to lay that foundation so that in case you are talking to me next time and I'm not replying you or I don't talk the way you are talking, it's not out of pride. It's out of principle because I know my words count. Jesus was faced with the same situation that the rest were faced. He lifted up the five loaves and gave thanks. And what happened? It multiplied. Those who complain don't get multiplication grace. Those who complain don't get multiplication grace. Multiplication grace only answers to an attitude of gratitude. Things only get better and multiply in the hands of a man who knows how to... Thank God, who knows how to be grateful and not those who have PhD in complainology. Are you with me? 
Psalm 34 verse 10 says, The young lion do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. They shall not want any good thing. Say with me, I will not want any good thing. Can't you say to yourself, I will not want any good thing. So tonight we are going to go deeper in this subject. What are the things that must happen on your journey to prosperity? What are the non-negotiables that will get you to the promised land of prosperity? Kingdom prosperity is a journey. It doesn't happen overnight. Unlike what the devil promises, God does not promise overnight prosperity to anybody. Because you see, the prosperity of the Lord is sustainable. You see people who are into fraud. One of the things you see is that when they have the money, they are like, they, everything changes about them because they don't have the wisdom to manage it. But when you follow the path of God, because you know that there are definite principles that you engage to get there, even when you are there, you continue. You cannot be... I'm trying to say it this way. You cannot misroad or you cannot be disadvantaged or you cannot experience setback if truly you follow these principles to prosperity if that is what you follow and you get there it's like a man who studied for his exam even after the exam if you still ask him the same question he will answer it because he, he did not cheat his way into passing the exam he studied his way into passing that exam so even with or without that exam you see that he's always outstanding in life one who studied his way into excellence and the one who frauded his way into excellence they will always have two experiences in life yes both of them have the degree or they have the certificate but you will know by their fruit that something will be different about the way they live that is what happens with true prosperity true prosperity when you walk your way to it when you follow those principles to it you don't just have money you have a lifestyle that keeps those that blessing continuously flowing in your life are you with me so kingdom prosperity is more than having money. Kingdom prosperity is an all-encompassing blessing. That is why the Bible says that the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and had no word, sorrow to it. Amen. Amen. Now, what are the foundations that must be laid again for kingdom prosperity? First and foremost, I want you to know something that True prosperity is a reward from God. True prosperity is what? A reward from God. The Bible says, and I want, I want to quickly, there's a scripture that came to my mind, so I want to quickly put it out for you. Luke chapter 16, verse 11. Luke 16, verse 11. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit into your trust the true riches? If you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, in your financial dealing, who will commit into your hand, into your care, true riches? So you see that true, there is false riches and there is true riches. True riches is a product of faithfulness. 
In other words, the kind of prosperity, the kind of riches that comes from God answers to the platform of faithfulness. I will say it this way. You see, for you to have yourself to be qualified for God to look at you and say, now I am giving you true riches. The gateway, the foundation that must be laid is what? Faithfulness. Say, if you have not been faithful, so no matter how much you fast and pray, no matter how much you even give, if the foundation of faithfulness and integrity is not in place, you can never experience true riches. Giving is not what ushers you to true riches. It is faithfulness. Giving, fasting, and prayer is not what we give, what we usher you into true riches. It is what? Faithfulness. So faithfulness in this context can then mean financial integrity. You want God to reward you with true riches. You want God to really make you a kingdom billionaire. You want God to decorate your life with true finances. Then he says for him to commit it into your hand, you must by all means pass the test of faithfulness. In this context now, financial integrity. The foundation of financial integrity is the prerequisite when it comes to God for true riches. I have heard people say, but I've been tithing. I, Lord, I tithe, I tithe, I tithe, I don't see results. I give offering, give offering, I don't see results. Lord, I, I, I pay my kingdom advancement partnership seat, I don't see results. Lord, I give to the poor, I don't see re results. The question that I will ask you is that God is not a man that you should lie, right? So the question is, are you saying that God is a liar? No, God is not a liar. Now, the truth of the matter is this. It is not giving. Giving is secondary. Integrity and faithfulness is primary. Giving and sowing of seed is secondary. Integrity and faithfulness is primary. It's at the core of the blessing that comes from God. It's the foundation. When the Bible says, if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I will say it this way. If the foundation of financial integrity is be destroyed, you cannot experience true riches. So the foundation of financial integrity, of faithfulness, has to be in place for your giving to matter, for your giving to produce results, for your giving to, to attract to you the necessary blessing. Somebody say, I hear you. What I'm saying is in the Bible. Of course, I'm going to show you in the Bible. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. Righteousness exalts a nation, and sin is a reproach to any people. You know that what? Sin pulls down a man. Righteousness lifts up a man. And it, it has everything to do with every aspect of your life. Righteousness exalts a nation. So when you are being pulled down by God, how can you then say you want to see true increase? It's not possible. Is somebody with me? Righteousness does what? Exalt. Righteousness exalts. Righteousness exalts. You want to experience true blessing. Practice righteousness. A man, and a man of integrity is a righteous man. Righteousness means to be in right standing with God. 
in right standing with God. Job chapter 1, let's look at one of the richest men and look at his testimony. Job chapter 1, there was a man in the land of Oz, verse 1, whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Look at his criteria. How many of those who are looking for God to make them rich today have this same CV? How many children of God can boast of this same CV? He said, one that feared God, a perfect man, and he eschewed evil. You know, he detests evil. He doesn't romance evil. To fear God, the Bible said that the, the fear of God is the what? The beginning of wisdom. And what is wisdom? Well, Matthew 7, 24 says, A man who heareth my word and put it to work is a wise man. So wisdom is the right application of God's word. In the world, they call it maybe application of knowledge. But no, wisdom is the right application of the knowledge of God's word. When you put God's word to work, when you live by the word of God, when the word of God becomes your guiding principle, then you are a wise man. Say, he that heareth my word and doeth it is, can be likened to a man who, a wise man who built his house upon a rock. Upon a rock. Faithfulness is a rock. Unfaithfulness is a sand. There is nothing you build on unfaithfulness that will stand the test of time. Faithfulness is a rock. Integrity is a rock. If you have to build, build on a rock. Because the Bible says when, this, when the wind came, the flood came, and the wind beat vehemently upon the house, everything that was built came down crumbling. There are so many people today whose destiny has come crumbling down because of unfaithfulness. Everything they've built through the years have come crumbling down because of unfaithfulness and lack of integrity. I pray today that God, by this service, is showing us mercy. Receive the mercy of God. As I said, receive the mercy of God. Then verse 2. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. Verse 3. His substance also was seven thousand sheep and three thousand camels and five hundred yoke of oxen and five hundred she asses and a very great household so that this man was the greatest of all the men in the east. This man was the greatest in his generation. What was his CV? What was the foundation? Upright, perfect, he feared the Lord. Upright, perfect, he feared the Lord. He did not go to any business school. I'm not saying it's wrong to go to business school. But the, what made Job to become the greatest? You too will become the greatest in your generation. I said, in this season, you will become one that shines brighter than the rest. What is the criteria? He said he feared God. He eschewed evil. He was perfect. He was upright. So you see that in the life of Job, his substance answered to the fear of God, to righteousness, to, to, perf to uprightness. Is somebody with me tonight? Oftentimes we hear the scripture, fight the good fight of faith. And we do not know the context with which Paul was talking. So we yet, most children of God, often they, they quote that scripture. Of course it's good, but what is the true fight of faith? Because oftentimes we just say, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. What was Paul saying before he said, fight the good fight of faith? If you read it carefully, he was actually talking about money. 
The good fight of faith, Paul was telling Timothy, is the fight to conquer the love of money. Fight so that you don't follow the path of lack of financial lack of financial integrity in your life. Fight on faithfulness when it comes to financial matters. Look at it again with me. First Timothy chapter 6. I want you to read it in NLT. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. Let's put it in context right now. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunk them into ruin and destruction. Are you there? If being rich is your aim, you don't want to follow the path of true riches. In other words, people who want to be rich without financial integrity, people who want to be rich but without practicing and believing in the principle of being faithful, what is it that the Bible says will be their portion? It says they, they, they fall into harmful desires that plunk them into ruin and destruction. Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with what? Many sorrows. But you, Timothy, you are a man of God. And it's the same thing I'm saying to you. You, you are a Christian. So run from all these evil things. What is he calling evil things? Love of money. Craving for money. Doing wudu to get money. Unfaithfulness when it comes to financial matters. Lack of financial integrity. He said, you, a Christian. You, a Christian. He was writing to his son, Timothy. I said, you, Timothy. This lifestyle. This corny lifestyle when it comes to financial matters and financial dealing. He said, flee from it. Don't join them in do living like that. This is not how we get rich in the kingdom of God. Say flee. Say, but so run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, gentleness. Remember the link. So somebody may not know how love can produce wealth. Faith can produce wealth. Gentleness can produce wealth. Perseverance can produce wealth. Say go after this virtue. Then say fight the good fight of faith. For the truth, say fight the good fight for the truth faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. Listen to me. Those who lack financial integrity have lost eternity. Lack of financial integrity will cost you eternity. It will cost you eternal life. Because they fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. In other words, money can cause you to lose eternal life. Love of money. Lack of financial integrity. It can cause you to lose what? Eternal life. You will lose your faith. And of course, that's why I used to say to people, you don't know who a Christian is until you have financial dealings with the person. I can never be very close to any man that I've not really had financial dealings with or I don't know the level of financial integrity of the person. Because the Bible says when they go after money, they are capable of any form of evil. Any form of evil. Any form of evil. Is somebody with me? Say, fight the good fight of it. 
Lay hold of eternal life. In other words, you will lose eternal life if you go after money. Don't be desperate for money. Be desperate for God. Let God be your aim. Money, no matter how rich you are, it will not follow you to eternity. But it can only determine your destination in hell. Some people today, now money have paid, they have paid, <laughs> they use their own love of money now. Let me put it this way. They paid their ticket for hellfire through their love of money. They bought it. They bought it. I must have this money at all costs. Of course, it will cost you eternity with God. I must have it at all costs. A boy the other time when he said, we even went to go and use his money for ritual. I must have this money at all costs. Mentality. We'll do anything to have money. Are you there? A rich man came to Jesus in Matthew 10, or Mark chapter 10, sorry. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And he said to Jesus, Jesus, I have done all the law. I do this, I do that. I have kept all the law. Am I not qualified for eternity? And in Mark chapter 10, verse 17 to 25, Jesus told him, he said, one thing you lack. Because he said, go and sell all you have and come and follow me. In other words, give up your love for money for eternal life. And the guy said, no. I love money more than eternal life. So if that was the last time you came to that church. That was the last time you ever ever said he went away sorrowful and Jesus shook his head. He said, How hard it is. How hard. How hard for them that love money to enter into the kingdom of God. He said, it's like a it's like trying to push a camel through a needle's eye. Do you know what it means? Even a thread is struggling to enter a needle, eh, the eye of a needle. You are now trying to push a camel to enter into the eye of a needle. So in other words, you cannot be a lover of money and a lover of God at the same time. You have to choose one. It's not possible. Because normally when you are, when you are trying to even put a thread through a needle, you struggle. You have, how many of you say sometimes we even close one eye to get it right? Then now, you want to push a camel through the, the eye of a needle. That is how it is to say you love money. You are a diehard of money person. You are a lover of money. I say you want to make eternity. Jesus shook his head. He shook his head. He shook his head. The guy looked at eternity and he looked at money. He looked at all his property and said, no. Today, where are all his property? Do you know what Jesus, this man traded for eternity? Mud house. Because even in their days, there was no brick house like we have it now. There was no cement like we have it now. There was no tap water. It was river water. In fact, their toilets were just pit latrine kind of toilets. So no matter how rich this man must have been, what he called wealth in his own time is poverty in our own time. Yet, that was his God. It, I'm sure he's burning in hell today. He, he missed everything. He went... Say no, I can't. He had, there was nothing called uh, Tesla car those days. He traded donkey for eternity. Can you imagine? He traded us. Us. Who is riding us? Who, who is the rich man who is boasting by the number of horses today? He traded us. It is my prayer for you that nothing will take the place of God in your life today. Is somebody with me? 
Financial integrity. Financial uprightness. I want you to open to Genesis chapter 47, verse 27. Genesis 47, verse 27. And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions daring and grew and multiplied exceedingly. Watch it. They, they grew and they did what? Genesis chapter 47, verse 27. Genesis 47, verse 27. Let's read it again. And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions therein, and grew and multiplied exceedingly. Now watch. What was it that causes their thing to multiply? What ushered them into this blessing? On your way to your own Goshen, you must also pass one test, which is the test of financial integrity. Before Jacob and his family got to Goshen, where God now began to bless him, multiply him, the greatest test Jacob faced, he had to pass the test of financial integrity. Joseph, on the other hand, who has not seen his brother for a long time, who does not even know the state of his father, he felt that, ah, and I know whether they have truly changed. Do you know what he did for them? When they finished for chasing things from him, and he loaded their sack in Genesis chapter 43, follow me to Genesis 43. Genesis 43, no, 42, sorry. Genesis 42, verse 25. Genesis 42, verse 25. Joseph then ordered his servants to fill the men's sack with grain. I'm reading from New Living Translation. But he also gave a secret instructions to return each brother's payment at the top of his sack. He also gave them supply for their journey home. He was testing them. He was testing them. He said, return all their money. Put the money in their sack. Why will he do that? He wanted to test whether they are truly changed. One of the things that truly reveals the character of a man is how he handles money. It's his relationship with money. So Joseph knew that principle. So he said, let me test them. Before I bless them, I need to test them. Do you know that a lot of people are poor today? When you trace their journey in life, they fail the test of financial integrity. I'm telling you. Most people who, who did not enter into their Goshen is because when they were in, on the road to Goshen, Every man will have to pay or pass the test of financial integrity. God will not commit true riches into your hand without you first passing the test of financial integrity. You have to pass it. If that place is, if it takes you 20 years to pass it, so be it. But sometime, sometime, the unfortunate thing is that so many people died without experiencing Goshen. Because when they saw the little, it mattered to them. So when they returned their money to them, Jacob, their father, when he saw it, verse 28 of Genesis 42, verse 28 of Genesis 42, 
Look, he explained to his brothers, my money has been returned. Is here in my sack. Then their heart sank. Verse 35. Verse 35. As they empty out their sacks, there in each man's sack was the bag of money he had paid for the grain. The brother and their father were terrified. And when they, when they saw the bags of money, <laughs> Joseph returned all their money. But look at it. A year later, do you know what Jacob did? Jacob said, this money is not my money. This money is not my money. He separated that money. When it was time to go back after a year, go to Genesis 43, verse 12. Genesis 43, verse 12. Genesis 43, verse 12. And look at what he said. And take double money in your hand. And the money that was bought again in the mouth of your sacks, carry it again in your hand. But eventually it was an oversight. He kept that money. He did not even borrow it. Some will say, My, whether now your money or another person's money, make I not lack anyone. But not Jacob. My money is not my money. He, he was seeing that money for over one year. And when it was time to go back, he said, now take this money. Take it back to the guy. But adventure, he didn't know. So he took, and do you know that there was famine already? You see, when the, the most difficult season of your life, where you will face this challenge of financial integrity most, is when you are actually in need of money. There will, will be a legitimate reason for you to steal that money. There will be a reason for you to lie about the money. Because there was serious famine. So Jacob and his family needed real money. They needed money. And yet he said, no. I will not take this money. So after a year, he said, go and return the money back. When Joseph saw it, his hand fell. He busted into tears. It was at that time that Joseph revealed his identity to them. He never revealed his identity to them until they passed the, five, the test of financial integrity. When they came back and returned the money, he could not hold it anymore. He knew that, yes, he was seen honest men. That was when he sent for his own father. And that was when they now moved into the land of Goshen. Pause and think. What if Jacob had spent that money? Pause and think. What if he had quoted one scripture? My God shall supply all my needs. He didn't say how he's going to supply it. What if Jacob had quoted a scripture? Not to return that money back. He would have died in Canaan. Not because of the absence of God. But because of the lack of integrity. Because of the lack of financial integrity. How many people have missed their Goshen in life? How many people have traded tomorrow for the pleasure of today? We are there. But you see, you have taken what is not your own. What is not your own? Even the phone is not your own. You have taken what is not your own and you are asking God to bless you. Until you repent and tell yourself, I would rather be hungry than to take what is not mine. It's very hard. Very, very hard. But it is something that must be done. The first time this church began to keep money in my house, 
was under coronavirus. That was the only period in the history of this church that began to keep money in the house. And nobody was, we were not going out under coronavirus series. Of course, everywhere was shut down. Banks were shut down. But we were still having fellowship and people were still giving. So it was, necessity was laid for the money to be kept in my house. I never for one bought pure water from that money. Never for once bought pure water from that money. It was a test. When they finished fellowship on Sunday, they will come and count the money in my house. And I have my guest room. I said, go and keep it there. Go. I never entered that place to even know how much is even there. I never counted that money once. Once like this, I never counted it. It's not my money. You must pass that test. But do you know what happened? I didn't know that God was seeing it. The money was not so much. It's not in the amount. He that is faithful in little shall be what? Faithfully much. It, it's not in the amount. I remember under that corona, I was beginning to pray one morning. Of course, church money was in one corner. And here was I needing money. I was praying. Then the Lord gave me an idea. I opened, uh, I, just, I just opened a, um, an outlet um, for Mark Center at um, Oniru. Then I had another one at uh, Lekki, then Surulere. Then that morning, the Lord said to me, the Oniru office I opened was not up to one year. It, it, it has not even reached one year. It was that time when the shutdown came. That office was just 10 months. And I've just invested, bought furniture, bought everything. So the office was less than one year. But as I was praying that day, that morning, the Lord said to me, close down that office. Close it down. Close it down. Merge everything to Lekki operations. Close down Oniru. Then I said, Lord, but what am I going to do? This office, people, I've not even made my money there. It's not up to one year. But I've learned that when God says bend, don't ask why. Because while you are still asking why, the thing that wants to kill you may have come. So bend first before you ask why. Obey before you ask God why. So I closed it down. In that coronavirus, then he helped me. He told me, he helped me. I had some products that have not been sold for a long time. Under that same season, somebody needed it. He bought everything. Everything and paid cash in the house. I was in the house. He paid for all the product. The product was enough for me to get a bigger office on Admiralty Way. Then, you know what happened? This case of the answers happened. The Oniru outlets were, Oniru was totally ransacked by those NSAS guys. Surulere, shop right where I was also, was ransacked by them. The only place that they did not succeed. In fact, they went to the old place I was on Admiralty, thinking that that was where I still was. So they ran, only by the time they opened the place, we've moved. We were now in another building, which is just nest, but that one they could not enter. In fact, that building on Admiralty was the only one in that entire premises. Beside the FCM, even the FCM, they vandalized the ATM machine. The, the, that office was the only one they could not enter. They came back the next day. They could not believe. They did. They could not enter. They got to the gate, pulled the gate. They succeeded in operating every other gate, but they could not enter. Because you see, as the mountain surrounds Jerusalem, so does the Lord surround his people. I, it was a voice of obedience 
under strange circumstances. But look back now. If I have been helping myself with that offering in my house, I have quoted one scripture that I am the Levi or the Pharaoh of the church. And I'm the taking the offering of the tithe of the people. Maybe by now I will have been I will have become history. Maybe I will not have survived that season. You have more to lose when you disobey God than you ever stand to gain. You have more to lose when you disobey God than you ever stand to gain. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Jacob entered into his Goshen because he was faithful. He passed the test of financial integrity. Is somebody with me? Malachi chapter 3 verse 3. Malachi chapter 3 verse 3. And he shall see it as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and push them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Verse 4. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old, as in the former years. He said, he shall sit and purify them. Then that is when he will accept their offering. You cannot be living a corny life and expect God to accept your offering. He said, I will purify them like silver and gold. I will push them. Then when they bring their offering, I will accept it as a pleasant sacrifice. Could it be that God has not been accepting your offering because you lack financial integrity? You can lie for anything. You can lie for anything. I had a dealing with a Christian the other time who was supposed to be a Christian. And he gave me price for something. And I laughed. I laughed. I laughed. Because by the time I went to go and verify the price, it was nothing. See, if you are doing business as a Christian, don't say, oh, it's because of you. That's why I'm collecting this price. No. Let the person know that, oh, I have put brother aside, though. Next time I can give you discount. Normally, this is what I charge outside, and I'm charging you like that. But please pray. I need money now. The subsequent one, I will give you a better deal. It's better than for you to say, oh, bro, bro, Bro Spider, eh? it's because we are from the same church. I'm giving you this deal. Oh. If normally I sell it for outsiders like this, but because you are Bro Spider from the same church, please take it like this. You are Bro Spider may never know, but you are a deceiver. You are a deceiver because you, you know that even if you are not in the same church, you will have charged the same amount. So why should you now use Bro? Is it wrong? It's not wrong for you to charge. Why would you carry the curse of Ananias and Sapphira on your head? Because you want to look good before a spider. It's your profession anyway. So it's not compulsory you give him a discount. Charge the way you want to charge. Are you with me? Charge the way you will have love to charge. So that next time you say, I am doing you a favor, I will do you a favor. I have never benefited from any transaction I help any member of this church will ever do in my life. Never for once. That I will take you to go and do something and they will say, hey, pastor, you are you to take the feedback. No, I would, I would rather tell, give him, let her give me herself. I have never for once, never 
and I will never till thy kingdom come by the grace of God. Yeah. That I will take a hey, you are bad. I've bought, I've bought land for people in this church. Bought a lot of things. But nobody under heaven can say I have benefited from transacting you on your behalf. Without your knowledge. Unless both of us agree that it should be done. Why? You must pass the level where you know that it is not that money that will prosper you. It is the blessing of God that will prosper you. Let your focus be what comes from above. Because before you know it, it's finished. I have never. Is somebody with me? So I hope you've understood the principle of financial integrity when it comes to being blessed as a child of God. Now, now that you have now understood that foundation as the gateway to true prosperity, what are now the blocks that you must build on it? I've talked about the foundation. We are building the house called financial prosperity. So we've laid the foundation that faithfulness and financial integrity is non-negotiable. It's, it's, without it, every other thing will fall apart. You must be faithful. Our financial integrity, it must be there. The next thing then is the building block on your road, on your journey to financial prosperity. You must then engage the building block of giving. You must be a giver. You see, when it comes to prosperity, giving is not negotiable. Our body. You as a whole, your body that houses your spirit is programmed to live by giving. Our body is designed to stay alive through giving. And I will say, share with you. If you eat the best food today and say because the food is so good, you will not, you will not go and give out what you need to give out. Because you want to keep enjoying the food. So it stays with you. It's a matter of time. I don't think you can last more than one month. Before you know that there's a problem. In other words, for the body to keep living, it must keep giving as it's receiving. For the body to stay alive. That's how, that is how God designed life. That for your body to stay healthy, for you to stay alive and healthy, whenever you receive, there must be by all means a measure that must be given out. You give out through sweat. You give out through urine. You give out through physics. These are various ways God has designed for you. In fact, through fatting, the one that may not even come up, even if there is nothing solid to come out, at least you have to give us something through fatting. Is that not the case? Do you know that when you cannot fat, <laughs> it's a problem. You can get surgery because of that. Not you, in Jesus' name. One pastor was telling me that he went to the hospital one day and one person held his hand and said, Pastor, please pray for me, I'm dying. Say, well, what's your problem? He said, I cannot fat. Pray for me to fat. So, whilst he was still trying to pray for the person, he said, eh. So, fatting can kill somebody if he doesn't fat. So, right there and there, he quickly excused himself and went to go and fat very well. And first, thank God that he can fat. As he was going home that day, he began to fat, fat, fat. I was thanking God by fatting in his car. Fatting, fatting, fatting all the way. 
Because he didn't know that fighting can kill. With, that even when that gas is not coming out, there's a problem. When you are not a giver, you start dying. Giving is living. Giving is life. Bishop, people say that giving is living. And I believe that man of God. You stay healthy by being a giver. It keeps your work healthy. It keeps your life healthy. It keeps your finances healthy. So it's not optional. If you, you receive something and you eat everything, it's a matter of time. Death will come. Because that is not how God designed us. God has not designed us to eat everything and not give out something. Even when you take water, but after some time, the body will utilize the one you can utilize and you do what? You pass it out. So for everything you receive, there is by all means a, the one you must give out. It's inside. Every blessing you receive, inside every blessing is the one you must give. If you don't give out of every blessing, it's a matter of time you stop being blessed. It dies. It dies. Is somebody with me? Now, there are different kinds of giving. I spoke about the other one the other day, but I want to quickly talk about it again before we go. The first most important giving for every believer is the giving of tithe. The tithe. Like I used to say, if you check in the history of attack on giving that we practice as Christians, no other giving has been attacked more than tithing. Why? Because you see, watch out for anything the enemy criticizes or the world criticizes. There must be something by all means about it that God celebrates. Tithe. Abraham, the father of faith, who was a tither, what is it that made him tithe? Go to Genesis 14. Genesis 14, verse 22. He understood the secrets about tithing. And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lift up my hand, my hand unto the Lord, the most high God. He said, I have lift up my hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth. Verse 23. That I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet. And that I will not take anything that is thine. Lest thou shalt say, I have made Abraham what? Rich. You need to understand the context. He just defeated three kings. No, he defeated the king that defeated four kings. So now Abraham has the wealth or equivalent of five kings. Now he faced the man with all this wealth that one king was dying for. A king went to go and conquer four kings to get all their wealth. Then Abraham went to go and conquer him and took all his own wealth and the wealth of all the people he has conquered. So Abraham became the richest. But rather he said to them, I want you to understand something. I know how I'm rich. I know the source of true riches. He said, I have, made up my, I have lifted my hands unto God that I'm not going to take anything from this. So that you don't say that you are the one that made me rich. But then the question is, Mr. Abraham, 
How then do you intend to be rich? Do you know before he said this, he has done something. Check what he did in verse 20. Before Abraham said that, look at what he has done. The same Genesis, chapter 14. He had paid his tithe. He had just paid his tithe in verse 20. Look at it. Verse, and blessed be the most high God which had delivered thy enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithe of all. So Abraham was saying, I know the secret to two riches. I'm a tither. So I don't need your own source. I have paid my tithe. You know the word Abraham said, this is not, this, what do you call money? This one is not riches. The, two, the gateway to my own riches is what I have just done before I met you. Abraham paid his tithe first. Then face this king and say, take all your money. Take all your vessel. So I, I don't want you to boast that this is what made me rich. I want people to trace my money and my wealth to who? To God. And how did they practice that principle? Tithing. 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 What was the message that Jesus was preaching? When Jesus was here, he simply preached a message. Matthew 4.23, Matthew 9.35, Matthew 4.23, the Bible says, And Jesus went all about all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of what? The kingdom. Now, what is a kingdom? A kingdom, of course, is a, a, a sphere of influence or a territory that has a king and a domain. Simply a kingdom as a king and a domain. And that was what Jesus was preaching. He was preaching that, hey, there is a kingdom. So he said, repent. Don't repent means make a U-turn and enter into this new kingdom. He said, even though you are in the world, you are not of the world. You belong to another kingdom. Jesus, that was his message. He was preaching the good news of the kingdom. He was telling that there's a domain, there's a, there's a territory that is ruled by God. Because the Bible calls the devil the God of this world. So Jesus said, you cannot be living under the system of this world and experience true riches. Make a U-turn and come into another kingdom where God reigns. Now listen to me. Every kingdom has a rule. Every kingdom has a principle. Every kingdom has its own military. Every kingdom has its own financial system. In the world, you see that in the kingdom of the world, they call it tax. So they expect everybody that, are, that, are, that is living in the kingdom of this world to pay tax. You don't, they don't thank you. I mean, the government don't come and shake you for paying tax. In fact, when Lagos State wants to advertise it, they say, oh, if you want to enjoy good road, if you want to enjoy this, is that not what they say? Pay your tax. But Jesus said, now there's another kingdom. That kingdom too has its own tax system. That if you want to enjoy good life, the provision of heaven, the resources of heaven, pay your tax. Now it's not tax, it's tithe. Tithing is our responsibility in this kingdom. You cannot be in a kingdom. It's either you are in the kingdom of this world or you are in the kingdom of God. But every kingdom has a financial obligation. 
every kingdom, every citizen of a kingdom has their own financial obligation, I should say. Every citizen of a kingdom has their own financial obligation to that kingdom. In the world, they have it. See, you don't know. Even if you are not paying tithe, you are still paying it. The only thing you are not paying it to, to God, you are paying it to the devil. But by all means, you are paying it. By all means, you are paying it. You are in the kingdom of God. And you are saying that in this kingdom, I want your protection, oh my king. Is that not what we say? I want your provision, oh my king. I want good life, oh my king. I want better life. I want good health, oh my king. I want to live well, oh my king. But the only thing is that I don't want to be a responsible citizen in this kingdom. So I don't believe in tithing. But I want you to bless me. No. That is, so when you are not a tither, you are an irresponsible member of the kingdom of God. It's a sign of irresponsibility. Because if you believe in that kingdom, you must believe in the financial obligation he has laid down. Every kingdom has a financial system with which governs them. Is somebody with me? Look at Malachi chapter 3. Verse 10. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Is somebody getting something tonight? Malachi. Somebody says Malachi. So you say Malachi chapter 3. Let's start from verse 8. Ye are cursed with a curse. Oh no, verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have you robbed thee? He said, in tithes and offering. Then verse 9 says, Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this old nation. Now, if God says, when you don't do something, is a curse. Well, you cannot outrun God. You cannot outrun God. Then verse 10, look at what he said. He separated it in verse 10. He said, bring you all tithes. He put it first. Tithe comes before offering. He didn't say, bring you all tithes and offering. He said, bring you all tithes first. Bring you all tight. He, he specifically outlay and outline what comes with the tithe. So bring you all tight into the storehouse, into my house, that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Verse 11, say, I am committed to rebuking the devourer for your sakes, and it shall not destroy your fruit of your ground, neither shall your vine cast a fruit before the time in the field, said the Lord of hosts. Verse 12, and all nations, say with me, all nations, shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, said the Lord of hosts. So you see why Abraham was blessed. Are we not calling Abraham? In, are we not saying that Abraham is blessed today? Abraham's blessing am I? Abraham's blessing am I? So all nations shall call you blessed. Say with me, all nations shall call me blessed. Say with me, all nations shall call me blessed. So you will see here that tithing is special. Leviticus chapter, let, let, let's go to Leviticus. I want to show you something in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30. Leviticus 27 verse 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether of, of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, 
is the Lord's. It is only unto the Lord. He said, it is, so tithe is holy. You don't eat what is holy. He said, of all, it is a of few. So you don't, let me tell you the mistake some of us make. So you say somebody, any salary, say, oh, I pay tithe for my salary. Fantastic. But he then gets, somebody then gives him money. But he doesn't see that he needs to pay tithe from anything that represents income for you is tithable. It's not only your salary. So even beside your salary, somebody gives you a brand new shoe. You ask, how much is this shoe? You have to find out. I need to give the tithe of this shoe. All, he said, all the tithes. Not part of it, all the tithes. That is what it means to be a faithful tither. Some of us are tithing, but we are not faithful. Because you see, you, 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 every other thing outside of our salary or our income, we don't tithe from it. But people bless you. They give you, somebody look at you and say, hey, hey, why? How are you? Take this 5,000 naira. That is not your salary. It's a blessing from the Lord. You need to keep that avenue open. Remember, in every seed, there is always a part that belongs to God. In everything you receive, whatever goes in, there's a part that must go out. In everything you receive, there's a part that must be given to God. Of all, of all, a tithe of all. Say, it is holy. It is holy. It is holy. This is what it means to be faithful. Do you know what that does for you? It brings the covering of God upon every aspect of your life. For some of us, the only thing that God is blessing is just your career. You still have the job. But it's not blessing your relationship. It's not blessing your marriage. It's not blessing your business. It's not blessing other things. Because you see, you have cut those areas out. Whatever comes to those areas, don't come to God. Build a total covering over your life by deciding that you will be faithful in all aspects. In all aspects. In all aspects. In all aspects. It, it makes you conscious of God and it makes God conscious of you. Is somebody with me? What happens to your tithe when you give it? You know, recently, I was praying. You see that all of a sudden we just had, I had a change of attitude towards tithe. I was praying during this season for the people in church. Because as a pastor, you have to be concerned this season. The first thing that the Lord laid on my heart that is, I'm, I'm one of the problems of the people. So why? I'm not teaching. You, if you have been in this church, you realize I don't teach about tithe. If you have been here, you realize I don't teach about money. In fact, in the history of this church, this is the longest teaching I've ever did in my life about prosperity. If you have been here, I, I don't. Because like, the people don't have. They don't have. And you look at, hey, this one needs money. So I became, before God, I became the God of so many people. It got to a point that if there is any headache in nature, if they need one thing, they just look at me and I will just send the money. If you have been here, you know that I, they, nobody can ever boast here today now that I have ever made a phone call to you. Please, we need something in this church. Please come and give us money. No. And the Lord made me, me begin to realize that it's a sign of pride. I'm not following divine principles. I cannot love the people more than him. I cannot love the people more than him. If I continue that way, they will never be blessed. And me, I am getting blessed more. 
by practicing the thing and not helping the people to do. Because you see, when you stand here and teach it, it's like, hey, hey maybe where would they get the money to, to give? Hey, 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 maybe he's a student, you know, may, uh, she's looking for her strength. So I was becoming more conscious. But you see, sentiment don't win game. Oh. It's principle that win game. Nobody win game by pity. You have to fight the fight in the field. No matter how much I pity you, that will not make you rich. And I cannot help you beyond my own ability. Can you ask somebody to carry the load that is bigger than you? No. I cannot. There is a limit to how I can help anybody. Then the Lord said to me again. So I told the Lord, I'm, I'm humbling myself. Whatever anybody thinks, I will stand and I will, if I, you would think I, the money is going to be in my own pockets. Because that's how much I love the people of God. You would think that the way I will, when we, if, if you go outside and you see that some of you, how many of you received the call last Saturday? When they, they, did they call you in church to give you new, new index number? They didn't call all of you. Only one person. They sent you a text message. Okay. How many of you received the new text message? Only one few of you. If you've not, that means you are not, they've not captured your data. You have, uh, it's outside, make sure they capture it. I said to the people, now let's reorganize this thing. The next one was even the manner with which the tithe was received. You see, most of us, we give tithe as though we are giving offering. So we don't give with the consciousness of covenants. We give it, yes, we give it, but you don't remind God of his promises. You don't remind God that, Father, this is what you have commanded. I am doing my own part. Lord, I know you are not a man that you should lie. Lord, I know you'll be committed. See, people just give the tithe. It's not just to give it. How can you be paying your assets and you're just paying it casually? You know why you're paying it? You must know that you must be conscious of what it does each time you do it. So that when the devil trespass, you can say, Satan, mm, mba. Like, like this cannot happen. You can stand your ground and hold God by his word. Why are you afraid for God? If you are afraid for God, it's because you are the one taking the glory. Let the one who takes the glory take the shame if he doesn't show up. Let him take the shame if he doesn't show up. He said, I will rebuild the devourer. And you are a tighter and things are not going. That's why you see that we have designed a tight card. Now, every one of you get your tight card. Get your tight card. And so, Lord, this is my record this year. So, what is this happening? Then you, I'm, I'm, I've come to remind you of your word. Believe in the transaction you are doing. Can you get to the bank and you ask for your money? You know you have deposited money and they said that no, you can't. Even, even that they tell you that you cannot get your money. Are you not going to? What do you mean? My money overwhelm me. Overwhelm me. You are even, even when, we, someone, when we walk into the bank, those is the way we walk. Because you know that your money is there. So you, are, you, are, you have not missed road. That's how when you are really, really faithful in your tithes and you have an understanding, you come boldly before the throne of grace. Baba, what is happening? And this is not a sign of blessing. It's a sign of a curse. My, my, I don't have to be experiencing this right now. You have said in your word. He said, bring me in remembrance of my word. Say, come now, let us reason together. Start reasoning together in your finances, in your business with God. Reason with God. Lord, you are not a man that you should lie. Stand your ground. You see, the enemy killed Lazarus even though he was a friend of Jesus. If Jesus had not gone to stand his ground, Lazarus would have been dead and forgone. You cannot stop the devil from knocking on your door, but you can stop him from entering your house. 
You can stop him from entering. The devil may want to try with him everything, but he said, no, this is, not a, this is a no-go area. This, the word of God forbids that this happens to me. Without faith, no man can see God. Tithing is a spiritual thing. Let me read the last scripture before we pray. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 1. Who receives our tithe? Hebrews 7 verse 1. When Abraham said he was going to be very rich, not by their money, is because he had a divine revelation of who had received that tithe from him. So look at it. Hebrews 7 verse 1. We are, we are ending. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. So in other words, Mekidezeb means king of righteousness and king of peace. Without father, verse 3, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, be made, but made, sorry, but made like unto the Son of God, abided a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was. Unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tent of the spoils. And verily, they that are the sons of Levi, who receive the office of priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people, according to the law that is, that is of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. Verse 6. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithe of Abraham and bless him that had the promise. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. Verse 8. And here men die, receive tithe. But there <laughs> he receiveth them of whom it is witness that he liveth. Who receive our tithes? Jesus. So, when Melchizedek was, Abraham was transacting with Melchizedek, the Bible said that it was Jesus he was transacting with. Always tight with the mentality and with the understanding that you are giving to Jesus. That is why you must treat your tithe with all reverence. I told those people with me today, I said, all my children must begin to tithe. All of them. I said, register my children, all my children, even to my last born, because I know that he receives gifts. They go to their grandfather's house, they do this, so they give him 500. He said, he must, I, because, he said, even the children of Abraham tightened. Let all my children that are tightened from their youthful days, let me see the devil that wants to touch them. A man of God shared a story. January, his children were asking for something, so he made them, he told them, whatever I give you, just make sure you pay your tithe. So he, all the children pay the tithe. Then one of them went to go and eat. A, uh, the girl was playing small more and went to go and drink uh, one of the pesticides. It was when the child, when he saw what has happened, then, you know, of course, they were thrown into frenzy panic. They got to the hospital. They were thinking that something was going to happen. And then right there and there, the girl, the girl was normal. He said, Pastor, they, I, they never conducted any surgery on that child. Our, our pastor also, one of our pastors here also said the same thing. 
but it was later they realized that what was shining in his child's mouth was pesticide. Of course, don't keep pesticide where your children can take it anyway. We don't glorify God with that. But listen to me. God is a faithful God. I have come to let you know in this service today, it is time you bring order to your finances. It is time you bring God into your finances. It is time you change this level by doing things in the way God wants it to be done. The foundation of financial integrity, faithfulness, build it strong. And your tithing covenant commitment with God. Don't joke with it. There are other ones we shall talk on later by the grace of God when we shall resume after GWIC. But I tell you, if you take these two, you are on your journey to your own land of Goshen. And I pray for you in this season that you shall have more than enough. I pray for you that anyone whom the enemy has robbed from their own land of Goshen, through wrong dealings, unfaithful dealings, whatever has pulled you down, whatever unfaithfulness has robbed from you, lack of financial integrity has robbed from you, today may you receive the mercy of God. May the mercy of God locate you. And I pray for those who are, who are, whose financial life has now become dead because they eat it all without committing to God what belongs to God, that the resurrection and the life of Jesus will revive and bring life in your finances in the name of Jesus. Thank you for tuning in on this episode. We hope you've been blessed and empowered to transcend new heights of faith and growth. Stay connected with us for more empowering and faith-filled messages. And remember, you are part of a community committed to transformation. Until next time, go forth empowered by God's grace.